when you plant your seed, you stake your claim to God's promise. Let's just get right into it. Um, hey, I'm Ailish, and this is Jezebel and Friends, where my friend Helen and I are going to share some of our stories from Catholic school. Hey, I'm Helen, and to give you some context, we attended a K through eighth grade Catholic school and then an all girls Catholic high school. This episode is about the rules we had to follow in Catholic school. My idea of a perfect school is one in which there are no children at all. <laughs> Sit down, you squirming worm of vomit. Our episodes always need a trigger warning because themes of abuse are always present when unpacking the Catholic experience. Okay, so actually I wanted to tell you this really funny story before we start getting into the rules we had to follow. Okay. I drove past Taylor Park and I saw this group of like 10-year-old girls walking and they had a cardboard cutout of Father Arse Cheeks. Ser- like life-size? Like a life-size cutout of our main priest from St. Balthazar. And I rolled down the window and I was like, oh my God, that's <laughs> Father Arse Cheeks. And they all started laughing and they were like, yeah, it is. And I was like... <laughs> That's so funny. They were like, thanks. Wait, do you know why they had that? I had no idea. They were like running through the town, like having so much fun. Yeah, that sounds like something we would do. I know. And they just had this cutout. I wonder if other people like recognized him and were like, hey, we know that guy. I wonder if they like stole it. I have so many questions. I got really scared because... Apparently, Miss Punis from our first episode was asking my mom if I was going to be coming to my brother's graduation. It's like, what's it to you? And that's actually how I know for sure that my mom doesn't listen to the podcast because she had no idea why I was in distress that Miss Punis was asking about me. So that's a good thing. I mean, let's just hope that the elders in our community don't have access or know how to access this podcast, because I feel like they just couldn't handle the truth that they've played a part in. (laughs) Yeah, it's very awkward, but true. And there are certain members of my family who would just resent me so much for the stuff I say on here. And they already do, because I also say it to them privately, but (laughs) it's next level when I'm saying it publicly, so. It looks like the first point we're going to start with is the coat rooms, which I was thinking about this last night. Don't you find it strange that as we got older, we had coat rooms, but when we were younger, we had lockers? Yes. Isn't that odd? (laughs) That's so strange to me. Yeah, it is strange. Um... I think it probably has to do with the building that had coat rooms was much older, maybe. Because literally my grandpa, who's 94, went to St. Balthazar. And he went to Fenwick, too. So crazy to meet families in our community who have, like, generations of people in their family have attended these schools. Yeah, it's really weird. If you went to a school where... They, like, beat the hell out of you and 
people were getting molested all the time. Why would you turn around and send your family there? But it's it's because people are just completely in denial. They're also scared. Trauma is tradition. Trauma <laughs> is our religion. Amen. Amen. On one side, you have the raging alcoholics who all the kids are scared of. And on the other <laughs> side, you have the people that are sober and utterly miserable. And there's <laughs> nothing in between. Will a fist fight break out? Pick a side, pick a side. <laughs> Wait, I'm really intrigued by your grandma's story about coat yes. rooms. Okay, coat rooms are such a big deal in our experience. For people that don't know, the coat room is, like, this closet in the back of our classrooms that is, like, a long, narrow closet that's, like, the same width of the classroom, but just very narrow, and there's, like, hooks on both sides. That's where you leave your backpack. That's where lots of (laughs) heavy petting happens. (laughs) Lots of bumping into people, intentionally and (laughs) non-intentionally. Right. There were a lot of moments that happened in that room. There were seriously insane moments. People would be just, like, humping each other. I mean, you and I weren't in the same classes for 7th and 8th grade. So so we had two different coat rooms. Probably very similar experiences. But, like, I'm going to... This might not seem like it matters, but I think that it does. Your... One of your coat rooms had, like access like entry and exits on either end mine was a one way I didn't have an exit the entry was the exit and it caused so many issues but the year before so that was eighth grade the year before I think I did have one that had an entry and an exit and it was awful like they're both awful in their own way right The ones that don't have two exits, the ones that only have one exit, there's so much more chaos that can go on in there because the teacher can't really ever get to the other side when it's (laughs) packed with kids. Whereas if there's two doors, the teacher could pop in from either side at any moment and then start screaming at people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so my family like okay my dad in particular he was like always asking about the coat room and he calls it the cloak room and he's like "Ooh, aren't you guys fancy at saint balthazar you have a cloak room like i don't see a cloak you mean my north face (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i guess my grandma she went to catholic schools on the west side of chicago So right near where St. Balthazar is. And she said that the nuns used to take kids who were being bad or being loud and hang them up on the hooks. What? By, like, their clothing. And they would just hang them in there and leave them there for a little while. Okay, you know what that's reminding me of? What? The chokey. Oh, my God. Better than being put in the chokey. Chokey. Yeah, the chokey. It's a tall, narrow hole in a wall behind a door. You have to stand in a drippy pipe with jagged edges, and the walls have broken glass and nails sticking Get out. Inside, you festering ball of ass! She puts kids in there? I've been in twice. Sometimes she leaves you in there all day. The Trunchable would just put kids in there when they were bad, and obviously it was 
terrifying, but same type of thing. It's like you're just in there and you can't go anywhere. I wonder when that stopped. Wait, did she, she didn't go to St. Balthazar though? No, she didn't. I forget where she went. I think it's closed now. I don't know if I really ever had, like, I was never a part of something super insane that happened in a coat room, but I did hear about things that happened in your coat room. And then the only, the negative experiences that I was having in the coat room was just that, like, it was so annoying to me. When they would call people to, like, go get up and get their stuff, I would be dreading it so much because it was a fight for your life every time. Some people just wouldn't get out of the way, which is something I struggle with to this day. Always wondering why people are in my way. I totally agree. (laughs) And I also know how upset you get about that. You're one of the only people who has seen, like, the true extent of me getting angry like I would go as far as to say maybe I have some anger issues but I usually (laughs) let it like rage inside of me I let it out one time in front of my friend group here I will leave them all anonymous um but they were kind of like shocked because I had one of my mini meltdowns and it was over a tv not working (laughs) so Let's just say, like, patience isn't totally my thing. I am just dying because I can totally picture that happening. My new thing has been, like, if I get really annoyed with something, specifically, I've noticed I've been doing this more in public, like, in the train or in the train station. Sometimes people just act a completely different level of stupid where they'll just, like, cut you off or they will quite literally be in your way And I will literally stop and stare at them and go, wow. And then I'll just, like, go around them and keep walking. There's something about, like, being really demeaning that feels so cathartic to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not saying that's right, but it's just what helps me get through each day. I totally get it. Like, when people are just not being considerate in public, Mm -hmm. it's just like, come on. Yeah. I did, like, instead of saying I was going to kill myself, I did, like, just run out of my house at night and left (laughs) and went on a really long walk. Like, it was so long because I wanted them to be, like, scared. I wanted them to think I was, like, out getting alcohol or something. (laughs) And then when I came back, like, everybody was just, like, asleep and, like, no one had been concerned at all. And I was, like... Damn it. You're like, oh, so nobody cares? (laughs) Like, it's actually crazy how similar we are, because I'll do similar things to be like, and then in retrospect, I'll be like, I literally was doing that for attention. (laughs) And I'm 27 years old. Like, what is going on right now? Oh, my God. The fact that I'm still having tantrums is not good but maybe it's just like what I'm doing now it's just where we're at (laughs) that's just me (laughs) take it or leave it (laughs) oh my god wait what story do you remember from my coat room I remember the perfume (laughs) um (laughs) we can beep these names out but remember you guys would like spray perfume all over (laughs) 
and then I feel like there was always like <laughs> there would be random situations with little budding romances between people where someone would like leave something in someone's bag or people would go in there to like gossip about something. I just felt like a lot of shit went down in the coat rooms and I don't really remember specifically like what it was all about, but I remember it being like a very sacred place <laughs> where only certain things and only certain conversations could happen and then like when you walked outside like everybody shut up about that one thing. You're so right. I think I remember going into coat rooms with people to act like I had to go get something from my backpack so that someone else and I could, like, exchange information really quickly and then be like, okay. Because we couldn't talk about it at our desks. People were there. Yeah, so I remember (laughs) when the new student transferred in sixth grade and he was so funny (laughs) and also so gullible and... He was just really fun to, like, mess with, and he had a great sense of humor and, and would totally, like, overreact and play into all of our little stories we would oh tell him. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was so, like, theatric. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was so theatric, and he just, he wanted the gossip, so we, like, quickly learned that and started, like, making up stories, and we did try to convince him that our school actually had a chokey. And he, like, kind of believed it for a while. <laughs> and then when he, he would be in the coat room, I would always spray him with perfume. And he would have the funniest reactions and start screaming. Actually, one time we did it where we, like, sprayed him with so much perfume. He started <laughs> screaming and being so theatrical. And Miss heard it from her classroom down the hall and came storming in and like was screaming so loud her face was so red and it was hilarious that reminds me of a story from her class do you remember she wouldn't teach religion yeah because she like wasn't catholic or something so she's like i can't teach this (laughs) so um, the vice principal would come teach it we can come up with another name for her, but remember Miss. Yeah, we have to come up with a funny name for her. Like, she was essentially Big Bird to me. She reminded me of Big Bird because she was like, she wasn't even that tall. Okay, let's call her Miss Big Bird. Okay, um, Miss, we can just beat Miss name out because I don't want to come up with a funny name for her because I actually liked her and respected her. So we'll just be pretty Agreed. Um, Miss didn't teach religion because she wasn't Catholic, so... Another faculty member, the vice principal, Miss Big Bird, came to teach the class. And obviously nobody took religion seriously because it was like mythology but bad. And nothing made sense, especially by the time we got to 7th and 8th grade. It became, and I sadly was not in this class, but it became that class's goal every time to like come up with a new prank for her. And remember when... Were you in that class? You guys decided, oh, at, like, the most random time ever. I think religion was, like, at 11 a.m. At 11, 12, (laughs) everybody... So before she came in, everybody stacked their books on their desk, like, all of their textbooks, which usually go in your little desk. But you couldn't always fit everything in your desk, so it was pretty normal to stack textbooks on your on the corner of your desk everybody stacked 
all of their textbooks on the corner of their desk. She thought nothing of it, of course. At 11.12, the prank was someone would sneeze, fake sneeze, it was At 11.12, everybody would push their books off their desk because imagine 25, no, it would be like 100 textbooks falling on the floor at once. Whoever is beneath you would hear it and be like, what the fuck is going on? So they did that and... I think they were building up the pranks like all the pranks before that were dismissed as just like a freak accident but this one was clearly so planned and I think that class got in so much trouble for that because it disrupted the entire day. Yeah they all did get like detention or something which is honestly like epic. Yeah well that's also fun because it's like it's not like you're alone in detention you're all there (laughs) for the exact same thing. Um, I think this would be a decent segue into the cell phone bin. Agreed. What's interesting about this is iPhones weren't really a thing yet. Yeah, we were like the first generation of kids to have cell phones at all. Like at our age. And like when we were really young, our parents probably didn't even have cell phones. Mm -mm. If anything, they had a car phone. That's it. Do you remember those? Those were crazy. Um dad had one and I had never seen one because my parents cars didn't have them so one time he picked us up for like soccer practice and I think he called someone or he picked it up and I was like what's that so we like I feel like there was so much like figuring out what was appropriate for like kids to have as cell phones and I feel like people are still figuring that out like with me and my siblings My parents have, like, given us cell phones at totally different, like, ages and stages of life. Like, they gave one of my brothers an iPhone, like, way too young. And then they made my next brother wait, like, way too long to overcompensate for it. (laughs) It balances out. And, like, the very first cell phone I got, I was in sixth grade, and it was the Firefly, where you could only call your parents... And that was in the era of landlines, which I know some people still have landline phones, but I remember there was mom, dad, which also, (laughs) it's not very inclusive. Like, what if you have two dads or two moms or just whatever? It was mom, dad, home. And I think there was a 911 button. And that's it. It was so small, too. You couldn't text at all. No. Do you remember the Go phone? Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like the smallest little flip phone. I am Googling GoPhone and all these other ones are coming up, but there was like a small one. My family was originally with Sprint. I remember that. Oh my God. Um, And I had like this pink phone that I thought was so cool, but Sprint sucks. So it never really worked. And I remember one of our friends had, do you remember the sidekick that you could like- So cool. It was so cool. She had- one of the ones with like Virgin Mobile that was like kind of like the same as a sidekick. You would like flip it up and you could like type on the keyboard and it was so cool. So then I got a phone from Virgin Mobile and it was awesome. I had so many different cell phones and remember you could order or you could buy ringtones. Yeah. Oh my God. That was like the time. What was your first phone after the firefly because i think i had a firefly but my parents could not figure out how to like make it work 
it like barely ever works. Like I couldn't rec- like I never successfully received calls on it. Like I could only make them. That's so idiotic. After that, I just had like a bunch of random phones. Like do you remember when you would get like a free phone on your plan or like a really discounted one? I would always just get those. I never had like a cool flip phone or anything. Like my I wanted a pink razor so bad and my parents were like that is outrageous to pay $200 for a phone for a kid. Yeah. Whereas now they're like $1,000. You had one of the ones that was like, it was almost like a brick and then you slid it up and it had the, yeah. I remember That's that. what I had in high school. And I didn't even get an iPhone until like halfway through high school. Think about like texting on those. Like we were, whenever we were texting in like junior high or high school we were texting on those phones and typing out the most insane paragraphs on these (laughs) tiny keyboards like where you would have to like click through to get the letter that you wanted i know i can't believe that sometimes i kind of want one of those phones again like i hate my iphone i hate getting text messages i especially hate getting facetimes Like, I just don't want to respond to any messages ever, and I don't, but (laughs) (laughs) I just don't like that it's even there. Oh, I love my iPhone, to be honest. When, like, kids were starting to get cell phones, they decided to implement a rule that I think most schools do now, where they would have a bin and everyone would turn in their phones at the beginning of the day and then get them back at the end of the day. And I literally got in so much trouble for something related to this. You might have even been, like, one of the reasons. Like, I'm not going to say the reason, but one of the reasons that, like, the teachers even were like, okay, we're collecting everyone's cell phones at the beginning of the day. Yes. Oh, my God. Before I get into how I got in trouble, I think that it did... No, that can't be... Well... Did it start because people were prank calling teachers during the school day? I really can't remember because I feel like the people that were doing that, I either wasn't in their class or because I know it was mostly boys and I was so afraid of like being looped into that because I didn't know what the punishments were going to be that I was like, I actually don't want to know any information about it. I don't want to be an accessory to this crime, so I'm, I don't want to know anything. But, like, the most that I did know about it was that Mr. Bible Humper did get a handful of prank calls. There, I remember during our eighth grade play, there were a group of boys that prank called Mr. Bible Humper, and they were, like, moaning and saying sexual things, and they might have even been, like, playing porn. Oh, my <laughs> like God. Like, audio. They got suspended. <laughs> so one day I decided you know what I'm not gonna put my phone in the bin like I don't like people having authority over me (laughs) and so I just kept it in my backpack and since there's only 25 kids in our class the teacher asked me if I had brought my phone to school that day and I was like no and then she went, she and she was, like, super decrepit. 
she went into my backpack and found my phone and she like went through my backpack and it was literally like hidden in there and then the principal kept it for two weeks she kept my phone for two weeks but that's when you showed up with another cell phone like days later you took one of your brother's phones and i remember this was like the most iconic thing for that time because it was like a huge deal that you got your phone taken away and you were like cool um i'm bringing another phone and i remember you walked in and you stopped in front of the desk and just put another cell phone into the bin and the teacher was like what (laughs) because like you could tell she didn't know in that moment if like there was like a number of possibilities it could have been it could have been somebody else's cell phone and you were just fucking with her it could have been your parents getting you a new phone like i don't think she was prepared for that at all that was so awesome. And what phone was it? Was it the Firefly? <laughs> no, I think it it was just one of those, not even a flip phone, the phones that are like a bar of soap, like that. It, I think it was our like, yes, it was kind of my brother's phone, but it was also like the family cell phone. It, and it was like so bad and like barely worked, but... It was the precedence. I, t- <laughs> I totally did that to like stick it to her and it worked. Yeah. I remember that kind of radiated the entire day. Yes. Because like she really thought she got you being like, I turned your phone in. You're not going to have it for two weeks. You're like, makes no difference to me. I have more at <laughs> home. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> oh my God. That was epic. Because also that teacher was, like, not the wildebeest, but another wildebeest. She was, like, she was, like, wildebeest tangent. Yeah, and they were, like, a couple. Yeah. They were also both teachers that never could remember my name. Yeah, they were both teachers that, like, seriously damaged my self-esteem and, like, (laughs) slut-shamed me before I had even done anything. I mean, we're still talking about it. You have your gripes with them. I have my gripes with them. Okay, is there anything else you wanted to say about the cell phone, Ben? I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that was just, like, a weird time. Like, nothing about that was Catholic or religious, but it was just them, like, trying to come up with a solve for an issue that was just part of, like the times like they had never been confronted with that before so it's just funny to reflect on that now it was unprecedented (laughs) um yeah we always had like insane dress codes to abide by that were like always super sexist and it was always the girls who mainly got in trouble for it So, at St. Balthazar, which was K through 8th, you could not wear makeup, nail polish, or have any type of hair dye. This, like, I know that these were the general rules, but it was always on a case-by-case basis. It's just, like, they would decide who they wanted to go after that one day. Obviously, you can't police everyone, but the amount of times you... Or maybe a handful of other people would get in trouble for makeup. But other people who were also clearly wearing a little bit of makeup were left alone. Just makes for a really bad environment for children who are experimenting with 
just how they're presenting themselves and seeing themselves. I Totally. I kind of understand why schools have uniforms sometimes, and I think there are good benefits to it. I think everyone should wear the same uniform, though. I don't think it should be, like, skirts or dresses for the girls. I think if you're going to do a uniform, it just should be a polo and pants for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, like... There are so many status things, and it is just easier to just say, this is what you're going to wear, and then there's ways to make sure that every kid has clothes to wear to school that they're not going to be, like, bullied for or something. So I right. I do get the whole uniform thing. But, like, that being said, I think it's so wrong to, like, really police people's expression and then if you do have to wear a uniform you should at least be able to wear nail polish makeup and the thing they would say about hair was as long as it's not distracting so what does that mean mean? yeah and it's like so if it's if you're in a predominantly white school and then someone hair is not the majority is that distracting and like then it was and there were so many racist things regarding hair that were just awful do you remember specific situations where people would get in trouble for hair related things and saint balthazar k through eighth only like a handful of times where like a girl would dye her hair like a slightly darker shade of like brown that was like tinted with red and they would freak out about it. And then at our all girls school though, the hair thing was such a big deal and it was so much like girls who were not white getting in trouble for hair stuff like constantly. And people like on my tennis team who this happened to, they would be like, Like, my mom literally paid so much money for me to get my hair done this way. You got detentions until you fixed it, or it it was just really bad. I wasn't at that school long enough to witness a lot of it, but I do not doubt that all of that shit happened. I was also so mentally checked out that I'm pretty sure, like, anything could have happened and I would have not noticed it. That school was another one that handed out uniform dress code violations on a case-by-case basis it was really if you were in the wrong place at the wrong time if you were if the wrong teacher saw it because even though that school had a dress code it was not enforced everybody looked In a way that I am saying this in a good way, I felt like a lot of people were able to express themselves with little like accessories or however they wanted to personalize their own uniform to whatever extent that they could. I felt like that was good. Um, But then at the same time, there were certain demons there that would try to enforce a dress code just because they were taking out their frustrations on that situation. Like... My homeroom teacher 
I was pretty vocal about how I was not staying at that school after freshman year. I was like, good luck, you guys, whatever the fuck's going on here. And that wasn't smart of me, but I was like really open about how I was transferring one way or another, regardless of where that was. I did really want to go to the co-ed school in the city, um, St. Ignatius, and I didn't get in. Mostly because I was so depressed I was getting terrible grades, but also I just didn't think that school carried a lot of weight for a transfer. But my homeroom teacher knew that and she was a miserable hag. And she just decided one day that my socks weren't long enough. So I got a detention and I was like, please, like, I cannot have this on my transcript. I'm trying to transfer. Like, this isn't going to look good. So her compromise was that she would give me a detention but not put it on paper, which meant she got to make up the detention, like what it involved. Because a typical detention would be like you just sit in a classroom for like an hour and you're like in a timeout. If I had known that there was no chance in hell I was going to get into that school, I would have been like, cool, detention, I'll sit there for an hour. I do that anyway, like during the day. I had to, because she was the art teacher, I had to art teacher. Let's just say that anyone with the title teacher was used very loosely there. She didn't take care of her classroom at all and would just let people dump paint into the sink and the sink would harden and clog up the drain. So I had to scrape paint off of the sink and I destroyed my hands from that because it was so bad and that was my detention. And she like patted herself on the back for that. Like she thought that she cut me some real slack. For socks, I was wearing crew socks and the rule was knee socks and nobody wore knee socks. Nobody did. She just decided she wanted to go after someone that day. That is so insane that you had to do like physical labor because of socks. I know. Miserable bitch. (laughs) Wait, I want to look up where she's at. I would love to know. Miss right? Yeah. Yeah, I hated her so much. And then like the other thing is after you would have an experience like that, that was clearly even like as a young kid or a teenager, like your brain's still developing, but you know something about that isn't right. When people are like, oh my God, I love her. I'm like, cool, staying away from you. You clearly lack judgment and critical thinking skills. Got it. Yeah, I I don't really know if I ever had a situation like that at St. Balthazar. So Miss Hag, who is the one who's best friends with Miss Wildebeest, or the Wildebeest, <laughs> um, they both just like loved slut-shaming 7th and 8th grade girls. Like it was like their bread and butter and so it was an olympic sport to them they were always exceeding expectations (laughs) this story makes me so mad i remember there was this one girl who just had really big breasts and honestly like girls with big breasts get sexualized and slut shamed just because of how their bodies naturally are and it really makes my blood boil Because it's also really hard to have big boobs at a very young age. Just because people think you're older, people are creepy to you, you feel insecure, they can be painful. It's so hard for young teenagers to navigate that. And a lot of it's not fair at all. 
So there was a student with big breasts, and on one of the out-of-uniform days, which was when we could wear regular clothes, Miss Hag was talking so much shit to me about this girl with big breasts. It was like, did you see what she's wearing today? Like, and it just really made me mad because she was being sexualized, and it, it just wasn't fair. Did did she get sent home to change? Remember when they would do that to people sometimes? Yeah, they would do that. Um, I don't really know, but there was one time where on one of our out-of-uniform days, I came in a shirt, and it's just like, I have always dressed so modestly because I'm brainwashed and traumatized. <laughs> so I have like really never worn like a revealing outfit a day in my life. I kind of wish I could get there. I just, like, am too brainwashed at this point, I think. And, like, just don't want to draw any attention to myself in that way. So this shirt I had, it was not anything revealing. Miss Hag sent me to the office to ask the principal if my shirt was okay. And actually, the principal said it was fine and sent me back upstairs. Oh my god. She really thought she was gonna like get something done there. That's a that is very similar. I know not the same topic, but very similar to like when people would prank Mr. Bible Humper and he they'd get sent down to the office and then the office would be like, What are you doing here? Like they just wouldn't take it seriously. Uh, Which is like another power trip, which that might be a bad example because we were actually like abusing him, but <laughs> <laughs> but same type of thing where like teachers would just be on the most insane power trip and then try to like make a point and then it would backfire on them. Totally. And just for context for the listeners, so Miss Hag is the teacher who in the first episode I mentioned she was like accusing me of pretending to be a dumb blonde and like telling my parents that I was playing the part of a dumb blonde to like get attention from boys and stuff which is just really stupid and not true at all and then the wildebeest is the one who told me I was at risk for being recruited into prostitution and who told Ailish that she wasn't smart so there's a lot like, going on. Really glad she's molding young minds. <laughs> she's clearly emotionally equipped for it. Oh, good thing our parents paid thousands of dollars for this. <laughs> yeah, I make sure to remind them of that all the time. I'm like, aren't you glad that's where your money was going? My God, what do they say? They just like don't really have any words because it's like, what are you going to say? You don't really have a defense. Oh my God. <laughs> like the... The one thing I will say is, like, I think the one excuse I can make for our parents just in general sending kids to private school, Catholic school, is that, like, they did genuinely think they were, like, doing a good thing. It's not like they were like, ha ha, you're gonna go get abused. Here's $5,000. Like, (laughs) they did genuinely think they were doing something good. And... We've said this before, to an extent, like, we probably would have never met had we not gone to these shitholes, but, like, they don't really have anything to say. They're just like, yeah, I didn't know it was that bad. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, really? Because it was actually worse when you went through it. (laughs) 
Yeah, and also, you didn't think it was that bad? Then what did you think was going on when I was, like, hysterically crying every night and threatening to kill myself? Did you think... What did you think was going on? (laughs) They definitely solved it as, like, an individual problem versus, like, the systemic one that was operating very sinisterly. Yeah. Um, And also, I've been thinking about this, too. It's, like, our grandparents are all like the most religious and believed that if they didn't stay with the catholic church that they were going to hell like they Mm -hmm. actually believed that so then they raised our parents who then were like a little bit more progressive and were like hey we don't really like the whole fire and brimstone hell thing we're not gonna pass some of that on to our kids but they still were so like brainwashed and indoctrinated that they couldn't break away from it fully. So then they just tried to kind of teach us the stuff that was more positive, more values based. But our school was still like stuck in the past. So yeah. we were just getting so many confusing messages, but it was all along the lines of that like the Catholic way like is the best way but I do think since our parents tried to make a conscious effort to not like scare us with all the like hell and devil stuff I think that might have made it easier for us to just be like fuck this yeah well obviously in different words but I feel like in both of our houses there was kind of like a fuck this mentality to the very like archaic and offensive teachings that were very much so still a part of the religious teachings that we were getting on like a daily basis like my parents were both very vocal from a really young age that they thought it was very fucked up that women couldn't be priests and that women were seen as less than men within the church like they were never like oh well like that's just the rules like so that's how it is they were like no like don't pay attention to that like that's wrong and my dad would specifically try to seek out different religious experiences for us when he was going through like this journey phase of like trying to reconnect with faith where he would try to find churches where like women were giving services because he was like I just like cannot go St. Balthazar for example like with my two daughters and be like yep this is it like this is right like he's like I just can't in good faith do that (laughs) so I think that was really good but like you said it did make for a very confusing time when you're hearing one thing at school and another thing at home and they're like so similar like these differences are just like really small and there's so much mental gymnastics going on um and yeah my parents were too they were very vocal about stuff they disagreed with too like that women can't be priests obviously both of our families are pro-choice um well our at least our parents generation maybe not Mm -hmm. grandparents um but it's like when you're in a school like that for like eight hours a day or sometimes more for your entire life. Because like I even went to a Catholic college. And so it's like I wasn't having these challenging conversations with my parents on a regular basis. 
So a lot of the messages I internalized were the like conservative, oppressive ones that my parents didn't want me to. They don't really like hearing that I did absorb those messages. It Especially like remember in high school when I got like really scared of the devil because of that mm-hmm. one teacher. Like my parents were just super like inconvenienced by that. And I in that it's not something I'm like mad about or even was heard about then. They thought it was so stupid for me to be scared about something like that. So clearly they just didn't realize like the the systemic impact that was happening. And and they do not like hearing about it now. They get very defensive. I feel like also along the same lines of like our parents being vocal about the things that they did not agree with or they were like, we're going to take this and leave this in terms of like a values-based faith kind of like education. My parents never, and I don't know how much of this was really brought into our religion classes, but like even when you look at Fully Alive, like they were presenting marriage and like family planning in a heteronormative scope. It wasn't, it was never like, oh, one day like you'll get married and have a kid. It wasn't left open-ended like that. It's like, one day you'll get married to a man and you will have a baby and like that's just how things work like my parents introduced like the conversations of like the possibility that you could be interested in someone outside of what you're seeing in the textbooks that being like a man like just because like the textbooks are saying like you're gonna have a baby with a man isn't necessarily like the case because I was told really early on, like, my parents explained to me that we had family members who were gay. And they were like, that's, like, normal. And, like, this is their husband or this is their wife. Like, and that's normal. And I think, like, now that I'm older, I am really realizing that so many people were not even, like, introduced to the topics of, like, being gay until they were much older and I feel like kids kind of hint at that or like express a interest in that from a young age even though they don't they don't know what it is but like I was really obsessed with my mom when I was younger like so obsessed with her and I didn't know how to properly like express it so I would be like I'm gonna marry my mom when I'm older because I like didn't understand what marriage was I thought it was just like you're with your family and I didn't understand like any type of like how sexual attraction might play into something like getting married or like being in a partnership with someone so I was like I'm gonna marry my mom my mom was like well you can't do that and I was like well I'm gonna marry a girl and she was like well you can do that and I think like at the time as a child I was like yeah, I want to marry a girl because I don't want to marry a guy because boys are disgusting and I hate them. Like, they're weird and scary. So it's just, like, even having a conversation as simple as that of me being, like, I I don't like being around boys. Like, I don't even like, like, having play dates with them. Being, like, I'm going to marry a girl. And my mom right off the bat being, like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. I know, and the fact that that is, like, radical almost, especially Mm -hmm. in our community. Yeah. And conversations in my family were very similar. It's also, 
it's developmentally typical for kids when they're like under seven boys and girls are very much like separate in groups like it happens naturally and those are those kids it's normal for them to kind of play with the idea of like romantic relationships between members of the same sex and I Mm -hmm. used to think the same thing like oh I would never marry a boy like I'll definitely like be gay is what I thought (laughs) at the time but then I realized I have no control over who or what I'm attracted to. Um, and it, that's been the bane of my existence. Um. <laughs> no, but now as we've gotten older, we've been like, I might not be attracted to women, but if I'm getting married, maybe I will get married to a woman because the idea of like legally binding yourself to a man resonates in the same way to like <laughs> tying a brick to your foot and jumping in the ocean. <laughs> Maybe that's extreme, but that's how I feel. I just feel like there's way too much risk involved. You know what I love about us is that we really sound like scorned women. (laughs) We're like the women that we would read about in the classic books for like literature classes. (laughs) Like we are considered old maids. And I love that. Spinsters. (laughs) I can't even go there. I try to. I try to like force myself. I'm like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get back on the apps. Wouldn't it be date to, for fun to date someone? No. (laughs) You mean babysit? (laughs) Why would I do that when I can do that for real children and get paid for it? Oh, I feel you. I heard someone say that. Obviously, I know we're not in this age group anymore, but dating someone when you're 21 to like 25 or 26 is an unpaid internship. Oh, God. I was dating older guys at that age, and I cannot tell you how disgusting that was. When I was like 23, 22, 20, and 23, I had three flings with guys, and they were all 10 years older than me. Or more. One kind of catfished me, so I don't know if it counts, but. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but you think that dating a little bit older is going to solve all your problems. And then you realize that the older guys that are down to date much younger girls have issues that you didn't even realize existed. They're a different level of like sick. They were so sick because they clearly, they liked me because I had no boundaries, Mm -hmm. like no self-respect. I had a raging alcohol problem and was really like easily taken advantage of. I don't feel like they committed any crimes against me, but they definitely took advantage of my like vulnerability. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just so disgusting. You could not pay me to go back to that lifestyle at all. You couldn't pay me to go back to that lifestyle in general, just dating at all. (laughs) 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 And I mean that. Um, So I don't know if you remember this, but there was a dress code thing on our summer service trip ASP, which we talked about in episode three. 
Um, I think it's when we went as adults and we were like 20. Oh God, this situation bothers me to this day. It's like something I think about because I really don't know if I handled it correctly. And I feel like I probably could have done something more. But even though I was on that trip as an adult, I did not feel like I had any authority to like uphold the rules or anything because we like really weren't taken seriously which I don't think we wanted to be taken seriously we just kind of wanted to go but I liked being in the limbo because then like none of like none of like the kids that were on the trip who we would technically still be like leaders to like we wouldn't have to do any of the disciplining because like we still were pretty close in age with even like the seniors on the trip that I'm like I don't want to be like disciplining a kid that I'm two years older than like it's just I don't need to be doing that and it would be cringe to do that in general but I also just didn't want to be tasked with that at all right like because these people these kids who we were adult leaders of they were literally our friends and we Mm -hmm. had gone on the trip as teens all together oh god so there was a dress code on asp and basically you couldn't wear tank tops you couldn't wear too short of shorts just it was it wasn't the strictest dress code but there was one in place and boys could wear tank tops boys could wear tank tops oh my god but girls couldn't and if we swam Girls had to wear one pieces, but boys could just wear shorts. Mm-hmm. And it was hot when we were going. Like, we were going at arguably the hottest time of the year, and we were usually staying in, in places that didn't have air conditioning. We just had, like, fans, or maybe we were in a really tight environment, so it just didn't make for proper air circulation, and that was just evil. There was no reason that we shouldn't have been able to wear tank tops. I don't remember what this girl was wearing. It was not, it wasn't even a tank top. I don't know what it was. But Daddy Longlegs came up to her and was like, said like, your shorts are too short. Like, go change. And she came over to me. Do you, are you remembering this at all? Okay, yes, it was her. I remember that. I remember that. She was really upset. She was, like, mortified. Yes, she came over to us, and she was, like, she looked like she was about to cry. Mm -hmm. Because that is disgusting for an old man to comment that a teenager's clothing is too revealing when it's not too revealing because it's like what the fuck are you thinking about looking at this child right now well everybody was wearing sports clothes like workout clothes which is like sports shorts and a t-shirt so i just uh, there were so many people who were expressing opinions that didn't see anything wrong with them noticing certain things, which it's crazy to us. It's like, like, why are you, why is that even registering in your mind? Or even if it is, and you see it as something that could be potentially concerning, which again, why are you concerned? Wait for someone else who's in a more appropriate position to like address it. You're a 60 year old man and you look like the guy from the lovely bones. You're setting yourself up for failure. Like just leave it alone that situation has stuck with me that's so sad and i'm it was pretty early on in the week too which means she had to like carry that the rest of the week 
God. And she is one of those teen girls who's, like, very developed and is, like, curvy and honestly has a beautiful body. But, like, men are disgusting, especially Mm -hmm. Catholic ones. God, I completely forgot about that. I feel like there were more situations like that where something was pointed out. But I think maybe I'm not remembering the specifics of it because someone who was more appropriate to step in and make a comment about it did. Like, I think it was a similar situation with a girl's clothing and one of the moms made a comment. Maybe one of the moms that had like a massive stick up their ass like did it who like had the time to worry about that. But like... Even if I despise, like, even if it was making a comment to me, I'd still fucking hate her, but I would be like, okay, at least it wasn't Daddy Longlegs, disgusting freak, you're ugly. I mean, and it was such a constant thing that people were, like, critiquing, like, in with uniforms. Your skirt's too short. Your skirt's too short. You're constantly being told that your skirt's too short. Um, Just you're constantly being told that you're doing something wrong by not having this exact dress code that is actually really hard to stick to, especially when you're a kid who's growing and you're like growing out of stuff and your body's changing. Well, this comes back to the point from the two previous episodes on sexual shame of like being accused of tempting men just for existing if they really saw short skirts or any type of dress code violation as a potential issue that could be distracting for people in general you should really be separating the boys and girls from each other if you really think it's going to be a problem because it's unfair to put all of that on the girls and be like you have to essentially sacrifice how you're going to dress yourself so that we can appease these young men who can't control themselves. Like, there were a lot of situations that I feel like a lot of us were in, even with the boys in our grade, and I'm I'm not demonizing any of them, any of them because I know it was, like, kind of part of, like, going through puberty and navigating, like, flirting with someone that you had a crush on in your class, but, like, there were certain situations where the boys would just be little freaks and testing the waters to see how far they could annoy us where it would have been a perfect situation for a teacher to be like that's inappropriate that's disrespectful she's her wearing a skirt doesn't invite you to like flick her knee or something Mm -hmm. like detention I just feel like you and I if we were teachers in an environment like that like we would be doing things so differently yes It's one thing if a skirt actually is too short. That's a completely different issue rather than seeing a skirt and being like, oh, I think a boy is going to do something. Like, let's unpack that. Yeah. Um, So speaking of ASP, there was actually two things that I forgot to mention in our episode on ASP. The first is that also this time we went as adults when we were 20. As we were driving down there, the place we were supposed to spend the night and the power went out. So we ended up having to sleep in an airplane hangar. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was kind of fun. It was insane. Which now that we're talking about that, how I wonder 
who was in charge of finding the solution to that problem. They're like, okay, this church group can't stay here. Where's the next big place they can go? So you know some someone named like Billy Bob was like, I've got an airplane hangar we can put them up in. Like <laughs> Yes. It has to be something like that. As if there wasn't some other high school that was vacant for the summer that we couldn't just stay in for one night. And every every time we went on this trip, we would drive halfway. We would spend the night in Louisville, Kentucky at a church, attend the church mass in the morning, and then drive the rest of the way to Appalachia. And that mass was the natural family planning mass. <laughs> every year... That mass was the dedicated natural family planning mass where after mass, well, usually during the homily, the priest would talk about it. And it was about like letting God decide how many children you were going to have, not using birth control, if anything, only using a calendar, I think they said. But then the most cringe part ever would be that at the end of mass, there would be like people from the congregation like husbands and wives who would stand up and like share their testimony and it would always be like the husband saying like such misogynistic stuff and the wife just like looking down and looking sad and not saying a word it was so scary yeah and I don't think there was really any part of that where our group was like, okay, everyone listen up. It was like something that we all, it was like we silently agreed upon, like we're just gonna like endure it and then get through it. But we all thought it was so funny. Yeah, it was pretty like extreme. Yeah, I guess funny might not be the word to use for it, but we weren't taking it seriously by any means. Right, we we were laughing at how ridiculous it was and how wrong it was but the thing is that was a catholic church that wasn't Mm -hmm. like a different sect of christianity that was a catholic church just a few hours south of our own catholic church actually one last thing about uniforms is that there was a rule for boys that they their hair could not be longer than their collar so boys were not allowed to have long hair I think this rule that Fenwick had was kind of extreme because, like, our all-girls Catholic school didn't subscribe to this. But when there were school dances at Fenwick, you could not bring a date of the same sex, which is just so crazy because, like, I remember my friend who went to the public school always wanted me to take her, and I never could because it wasn't allowed. So I would have to try to, like, see if there were any random guys who were looking for a date and then, like, offer her to them, which is just weird. Because she would take me as her date to dances. I felt like there was a really strong emphasis at the private schools on school dances in general, like homecoming and spring fling and prom to just like go where I went to the public school after my freshman year and a lot of people went to those dances but it wasn't a big deal if you didn't go but it was even less of a big deal if you didn't bring a date at all that's amazing just talking to my sister 
there was a lot of stress surrounding the dances, like making sure someone was asking you, someone was asking you in a cool public way so that everybody knew you were asked. Like it just seemed like it was embarrassing if you didn't get asked in an extravagant way, which nobody, I felt like nobody really did that at my school, but it was a big, like she went to all of the dances. I think I went to homecoming once and I left early because I was like, this is lame. Um, And I I didn't go with a date. I went just with friends. And then for prom, I didn't go with a date either. Right. I remember that. (laughs) That's a story for a different time. (laughs) (laughs) There was a date, but you didn't end up going together. Um, (laughs) It was there was so much pressure to have a date. You could go just by yourself, but people wouldn't. Like, if girls didn't get asked, they wouldn't go. Really? And that is really sad. Because these were girls who, like, really wanted to go. That's so sad. So they were, like, robbed of their experience of, like, going to homecoming just because it was, like, not a thing To go alone. Yeah. It's sad. I hate that. It's really sad. And then, oh my god, they were so strict about the dancing at at Fenwick. They would have what they called juke jail. So for those that don't know, the verb to juke, juking, is like (laughs) grinding. And (laughs) since we all are living like in centuries past, that's what we called it. (laughs) There would be a classroom... Where if you were, like, dancing inappropriately or grinding or kissing or making out, they would, like, keep you in this classroom and it was essentially a jail and your parents had to come and pick you up. Oh, my God. They wouldn't even let you out after, like, 20 minutes. It was like, you're done. Yeah, you had to leave the dance because you were, like, getting a little frisky on the dance floor. I'm sure people were all but having sex on the dance floor there was like nothing they could do about it (laughs) i remember when i went to a dance i was (laughs) (laughs) we never were at the dances at the same time i don't i know i know i was like literally going to town on people like you had a date and as soon as you walked into the dance you were like see ya I've got some serious ground to cover. <laughs> it's like, I I am from a very repressed subculture of this community, and I'm in a place where people are grinding, and I'm going to get in on that. You, <laughs> you turn to your date. You might want to look away. <laughs> You're not going to like what comes next. <laughs> oh, my God, Ailish. I remember... She was doing the Jersey Turnpike on people. (laughs) (laughs) Of course she was. She's the only person that I would allow to do that. So for those who don't know, the Jersey Turnpike is when you're grinding on a a guy's front and you literally bend all the way down and like touch the ground and you're like completely bent over and like twerking your butt. (laughs) It's pretty ratchet. But do you remember also it was a thing for a lot of people to wear like spandex or sport shorts underneath their dresses <laughs> for that reason to be like, yeah, at one point my legs are going to be completely <laughs> up in the air. 
like you're doing straight up aerobics in a field house with a dress from Macy's on. Literally. Oh my god. Yeah, I remember actually being in the center of the dance floor and people were like having sex with their clothes on. <laughs> it that was crazy cuz it at the schools I went to there was not nothing like that would ever be able to happen. You they'd probably call the police and have you arrested. Yeah, you would just completely bypass juke jail and go straight to like the real police station. <laughs> Or worse, they, they'd bring you to the church. They only let you do that if you're a priest. <laughs> yeah, you can only be having sex on the dance floor if you're an adult priest. Yeah, like or like an adult teacher. That's so <sighs> good. That's so good. Um, so also like the det- the name for detention at Fenwick was justice under god and it was called jug so instead of having a detention it's like you have jug and it was impossible (laughs) you have jugs (laughs) (laughs) just me and my jugs (laughs) and you would you would have to write the handbook um and you would get jug for the littlest things like the same thing socks uniform like i got my phone taken um i got jug for chewing gum i will say and i don't i don't want to give fenwick any credit for doing any type of good thing but i will say that they did kind of discipline me in a good way one time when they found my social media which was all me like drinking and being super sexual wait is this Remember when we went to Minnesota for the Macklemore concert and like all of they either like made you take down all of your social media or something happened. Tell that story. Yes. So (laughs) when I transferred to Fenwick as a junior, I kind of like really leaned into like my partying persona because I wasn't really like popular at, at my first school. I wasn't popular at all. Like, people, like, didn't like me, thought I was a slut, thought I was, like, mentally ill, which I was. (laughs) Um. (laughs) You were always the coolest person to me, though, which that might not make you feel any better. But when we would have lunch together and you would just tell me about all the shit you got into over the weekend, I was like, she's so cool. Like, (laughs) Honestly, I think I really needed that because I was, like, creating, like, a fantasy world for myself, like, to escape my problems, so... Well, I was buying into it. Thank you so much, because I did have other (laughs) friends who would, like, make me feel, like, disgusting, and you were obviously never one of those people, and that means a lot to me. Thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) So, when I transferred as a junior... I really kind of got the chance to have a fresh start. And, like, I had the privilege of missing all the freshman and sophomore year drama. I didn't really have beef with anyone. And I felt like I was pretty well-respected. And so I was getting invited to things, and I just started partying a lot. I had already been, like, drinking in secret by myself. So I was, like, really excited to, like, get other people to do it with me. And I totally, like... um 
kind of like not peer pressured, but just like pressured people to drink alongside me just because I was always so hell bent on like getting alcohol and going to a party and hooking up with guys. And well, I think everyone at that age too was so enamored with kind of the idea of like high school parties and like doing something bad and we're all drinking and oh my god last night was so crazy that if somebody had access to that we were all like yeah I'll be there yes (laughs) (laughs) so I started really like thinking I was really cool and (laughs) I were (laughs) And I was also, like, dealing with, like, all of these issues, like, like, dealing with, like, harassment and abuse from, like, adult men. And so I was just channeling everything into, like, trying to make myself feel better, trying to feel, like, empowered and in control of my sexuality. And I was posting a lot of stuff on Vine that was like extremely explicit. <laughs> Vine was such such a time and I think as a friend group we've addressed this but you didn't download any of those videos, right? Like you don't have them. No. It's so unfortunate cuz they your Vine was great. Oh my god, I wonder if there is a way to like hire someone to try to find them. Mhm. Um so my Vine was like I would be, like, singing my neck, my back, and, like, unzipping my, like, juicy hoodie and, like, showing my, like, leopard print bra, and then be, like, drinking, and then, like, my eyes would be, like, completely red, and, like, you could tell I was super high, and, like, I was, I would sing, like, really inappropriate song lyrics, like, like, my neck, my back, like, my pussy and my crack, and I'm 16, like, it is scary that, like, adult men could have watched those that never occurred to me of course like no because I think like the only time we were seeing creepy shit happen like that was on like Dateline MSNBC to catch a predator where like that's that's what happens it's in the chat rooms but of course there were freaks on Vine you know there were right And so there was just all this, like, evidence against me and my school. And, like, I kind of started, like, blowing up a little bit. Like, I remember I was at Whole Foods with my mom and the cashier was like, are you Helen? Like, I think I know you from Vine. And my mom was, like, really scared. Yeah. Wait, you were, like, a local celebrity. I was. You were, like, the Oak Park influencer. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) I do think a lot of people were, like, hate-watching, but any attention for me at the time I thought was good attention, so. Haters are gonna hate. That's how you know you're doing something right. So this was actually the one situation that I think Fenwick handled well, because when they saw my Vine and, like, the administration, like, watched my videos, they actually just forced me to go get evaluated for like having a substance abuse problem and I really think that is like a pretty decent response to someone who is like clearly like in crisis and like you know nothing happened 
really like I went and saw someone like I had to pay for it myself as like part of my punishment and I like was honest with her about what I do and she said I didn't have a problem well maybe I wasn't as honest then but who knows but that was a thing where like they could have just like slut shamed me and stuff even further and like for whatever reason they didn't I think Fenwick also knows that there is a really big problem of like hardcore partying among the students because there really is like in high school I would say we were drinking and partying in a way that's more appropriate for like people in college to be doing that oh yeah I remember being on Facebook and seeing because we were all friends with like our friends older siblings on Facebook so I remember even just seeing all those pictures being posted and realizing they're only two years older than me and they're downing Bud Lights. And as a 12-year-old, I felt super overwhelmed by that because I didn't feel like I was... I was intrigued by it, but I didn't feel like I was ready for it. I had a lot of anxiety about it. But it was a huge problem. People would get so Mm -hmm. fucked up. Yeah. And, like, go to the hospital. Like, people were hospitalized for drinking... Oh my god. I mean, yeah, there's just, like, a lot of crazy experiences. Just, like, me almost dying, other people almost dying, just in a way that I felt like was happening at a a higher-than-average way for high school, Mm -hmm. I think. And then, like, all of, like, the rules and behavior expectations, like, there was, like, a level of expectation about them, but then when you were in mass the expectation was so much higher like the stakes for getting in trouble during like church or a prayer service or when we would like all go out to the hallway and pray the rosary (laughs) like that's when you could really get in massive trouble for even like talking or laughing yeah because you were center stage god i hated those they're so boring and if you were seen slightly zoning out which who could blame you as an eight-year-old you would get in so much trouble it's like kids shouldn't be doing that they shouldn't be doing cult rituals that early in their life the rosary feels like a like a torturous punishment to me Mm -hmm. because it's like with every bead you have to say a prayer and there are so many beads and the prayers are all long and one of them is that prayer that's like Save us from the fires of hell. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thy mercy. Amen. My parents would be like, they didn't like when we would say that prayer at school because like they felt like it was too intense and too scary. But that's like another example of like something my parents disagreed with, like teaching kids about hell or making them scared of hell. But like that was happening in, in the classroom. Yeah, especially in certain classrooms. We've already touched on this, but certain teachers were way more hardcore than others. And I remember in third grade being absolutely terrified the fact that i was saying prayers every night is so off-brand for me and it was off-brand even then that teacher had a grip on all of us that it took a while for us to 
realize she was insane and really mentally ill. I remember most of the kids who went through her class would set up, like, a little prayer corner in their room. Like, even my atheist cousin did that for a minute. Yeah, and she would hand out all these prayer cards and religious medals and scapulars. She was always handing stuff out to us and would tell us, if you ever throw this away, that's a sin and, like, God will seriously punish you. And I remember being so terrified and just even as a kid being like, what am I going to do with all this shit? Like, I don't want it. And then I remember one day just kind of having this realization, like, if I go to hell, like, I go to hell because this is all going in the trash. And I threw away all that religious shit and just, like, put it in the garbage because I didn't know what to do with it. I sold a bunch of religious stuff and I was like... This is the least I can get from this god-awful thing. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for listening to our 10th episode of Jezebel and Friends. Don't forget, we'd love it if you would leave us a five-star review, because our score is currently three. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting there, because last time it was at like 2.5, right? I think I was just wrong when I told you that. I think we still only have two reviews. Oh. All right. All right.